Hello everyone, thank you for joining us this morning sa itong online service. If this is your first time, thank you very much for joining and I hope this is not your last time. And we are having this series entitled, I Didn't See That Coming. And we're looking at five challenges so that everyone encounters in life, but no one expects them. Again, this series is based on a book by Carrie Newhoff called Didn't See It Coming. And we're working through some of the chapters of this book together. And now we are in the third week of our series. And in the past Sundays, we talk about cynicism and emptiness. And next week, just to give you a preview, we are going to look at pride. And we're finally going to wrap things up with a topic burnout. So today, we will be talking about the challenge of disconnection. Now, the great paradox of our day, according to Carrie Newhoff, is this. We've never been more connected as a culture, yet we've never felt more alone. I think this is true, right? We are more connected than ever, like five or ten years ago because of the technology we, we have today, but more disconnected than ever at the same time. I think we are aware as a society how disconnected we are in this connected world. You know, we see this paradox at play in our very own lives. You know, some of you might say, yeah, I am more connected. I have lots of friends on social media now. You know, I can just easily connect with people wherever they are, but I still feel alone. And maybe you might even feel that while watching right now when there's someone next to you, but you still feel alone. You know what? The global health service com company in America called Cigna um, released results from a national survey exploring the impact of loneliness in the United States. So this is not in the Philippines. And they found out that nearly half of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone or left out. I mean, have you ever scrolled through Facebook or Instagram and seen pictures and posts and you said, look at all of these people having a really good time. And here I am missing out something. Hashtag FOMO, right? It's, it's a real thing. Fear of missing out. And another study shows that one in five people report they rare, rarely or never feel close to people. Or they feel like there are people they can talk to. You know, that means no one really knows them well. And the shocking thing is uh, this survey in includes married people oh and, and another shows another study shows that two in five americans sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful and that they are isolated from other people their friendships or relationships with their loved ones is deep sure they they talk they connected or they connect but only a superficial level I don't know in the Philippines, but I found a survey um, conducted by Ipsos in the Philippines. I think this was last 2019. And the good news is this. They found out that 65% of Filipinos stated that they were unlikely to be lonely in 2020. Now, this is pre-pandemic time, all right? And only 29% said that they were likely to be lonely. But I don't know our current statistics now, but I think this pandemic that pushes us to isolate makes many people vulnerable to loneliness. The point I'm showing these things to you is maybe 
some of you today as a couple feel that way, you know, that your relationship is not meaningful. Or as singles, maybe your friends, but you don't really know them well. Maybe they know your favorite, you know, color, favorite melty flavor or your crush, but they don't really know you in a deep level that like uh, they know your struggles and weaknesses, just the surface level. And I'm sure we can think of a friend or even our family members that we wish we can go deeper with rather than just talking with the latest movies or TV shows or latest news or how the weather is doing, right? Here's the thing, our tendency is this, our tendency is to blame everything on technology, right? It's technology's fault that we are more connected but more lonely and disconnected than ever before. But I'm gonna argue that it's not really the issue. It's not just a technology problem. Sure, um, technology has an impact on relationships. It has a way of intruding on our most intimate times with each other, but it's not really the technology that is the problem but it's a human problem at the core. Disconnection from others is a human problem. It is something humans have done in the beginning of time. If we look back from the beginning of the Bible, right, um, in the garden, when we see this first human relationship between Adam and Eve, you know, God created Adam and Eve, and we were told that they were both naked and unashamed. In Genesis 2.25, it says, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame it means that there's that intimacy and deep connection in the relationship they weren't hidden and distant with one another but as you move to the next chapter when sin entered and when they cho chose to disobey god and believe that the lies of the enemy here's what happened next in verse uh chapter 3 verse 7 then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked so they sued fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, what did they do? They, me they made coverings for themselves. They realized that there were things about themselves that shouldn't be openly known. When God came to have a fellowship with them, they hid to God. And here's what happened next in the verses 8 to 13. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden and in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So we see here that you know there's shame, guilt, fear, cover up, blaming, um, hiding become now the part of the mix in relationships with God and one another. What we see from the beginning of the Bible is this tendency to disconnect from one another. It's not just technology problem. It's a human problem because of sin. Sin complicates our relationship with one another. All of us, you and me, all of us has this propensity to disconnect with one another. So what we have to understand now, brothers and sisters, is that technology isn't itself good or evil. It's neither good or evil. But hear me. 
technology amplifies what's already in the human heart. It amplifies, it reveals what's already in the human heart. That's true in a lot of things. Let's say, for example, ang papel, right? Take paper, for example. I, is, is paper good or evil? Now, paper has been used to produce some of the greatest works of literature, including the, the, the Word of God, of course. You know, beautiful works of art has been created through this thing. But paper can also be used by someone to burn down the house. Paper has also been used to produce humanly degrading pornography. Now, is paper good or evil? Now, sometimes it can be used for good. Sometimes it can be used for evil. The same is true for technology. Right? Can technology make it easier to do bad? Sure. But can it also make easier to... Uh, can it also make it easier to do good. Now, of course, if you want to make meaningful relationships, especially to those loved ones, technology can help you that with that. If you want to have an affair, right? Well, technology can help you too, right? And some people say Facebook killed my marriage. Really? Was it really Facebook? Or was it the fact that you used Facebook to get in contact with that ex or high school crush? you had. Facebook didn't ruin your marriage. You did. Facebook didn't send that message. You did. Right? And um, Facebook, another example is this. Um, if you live in a principle that life is all about you, technology can amplify that. You know, we have phones today with a camera on both sides and gigabytes of selfie storage. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with thumbs up or heart-shaped buttons to prove likability to others. It allows us to display our splendid accomplishments like a virtual trophy. YouTube might even let us be the star of our own television channel. Hear me, brothers and sisters. I'm not saying that engaging yourself in the social media is, is, is bad, but social media can reveal what's already in our hearts. So it's not just a technology a technology problem, but it's a human problem at the core. Now, according to Karen Newhoff, there are two premature deaths in our culture today that makes this problem of disconnection worse, right? So what are they? First is this, death of genuine conversation. Now, you probably have sensed this happen in your life, you know, in your day-to-day -day interaction. Um, some psychologists and sociologists, they based on, um, you know, based on my research, they said that technology increases our levels of connection. It's true, but it also decreases our ability to have actual, deep, meaningful conversations with each other. And here's the truth. The technology has allowed us to disconnect from the reality and put us in a place where we don't have to have a real conversation or relationship with other people, right? Today, we prefer to know what's going on in someone else's life by reading two or three sentences or see a picture that someone posted rather than sit down and talk to someone and have to hear and feel the emotions with someone. It is much easier to send a quick text or emojis rather than to engage in a phone call conversation with someone. Kids or children today are so screen occupied for hours daily or nearly every day instead of get getting positive interaction and attention from their parents, they get it from something else. 
And even today, research shows that there is a decline of eye contact, eye contact as we spend more and more of our time staring at screens and less time to look into people's eyes, you know, including the eyes of the people we care about most. So I, I think that experience one, right? When you talk to somebody, if imuhang komustaon or or makipagstorya ka, maingundra uh, sa imuha, okay raman, okay raman ko, you know, imuhang komustaon, okay raman ko, without looking at you. And if muri akka kay wala jud sila maminaw, kay nagtanawra sila sa phone, maingundain sila nga, nakinaw man ko, nagmultitask man ko, nagmultitask lang ko. Bisag wala good ka focus sa imuha, kinsa makarelate, ana, right? So, but on the other extreme, na apoy mga tao nga ganahan makipagtalk, but usahay, it's a one-sided conversation nga iyahalang tanan without allowing to exchange ideas from one another. Have you experienced that? You know, we live in our culture culture today where we are trying to project more of our perspective, our view, our understanding on someone else rather than trying to learn from someone else's perspective. But I believe that the Apostle Paul has something to say about this. You know, Paul in his letter to the Philippians church or Philippian church, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't writing specifically about conversation here, but he was writing this letter of encouragement to a church that he had planted, but now he was distant from them. You know, Naprisusha at that time when he wrote this, and he is writing to the Philippian church about the attitude he wants them to have. I think Paul would have applied this to conversation today as well. Philippians 2, 3 to 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Now, here's what I know. If we value others highly than ourselves, we would choose to connect with people conversationally. We would give them our fullest attention. You know, when we are fully engaged, we're actually saying to someone that you are valuable to me. You matter to me. But genuine conversation requires this. It requires us not to be selfish. It requires us to be humble, not be trying to impress others or having this conversation where it's all about you. But thinking of others above ourselves, knowing that we can learn from them too. And this principle, honestly, didn't work for disconnected people. Disconnected people are no longer interested to someone else. You know, they're not thinking of others highly than themselves. They will say, I don't care what's going on in your life. You are not just as important as Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Mobile Legends, or Dota, or whatever sources of entertainment entertainment. But it shouldn't be that way. Right? As Christians, we are for relationships. And we are to cultivate relationships by having real life in-depth conversation because we know that Jesus is for relationships. You know, Paul uh, Paul goes on to say in verses 5 to 8, the same chapter, you know, he said this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mi- mindset as Christ Jesus, okay? Now, take this personally. In your relationships, relationships with one another, have this mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the death, even death on a cross. 
Now, Paul goes on to talk about how we must have the attitude that Christ had. You know, even though Christ is sovereign in everything, he, he chose the position of a slave. He chose to, be, to humble himself by dying on the cross. Now, think about it for a moment. We are all wicked people. We are rebellious people. Yet what he has done on the cross screams to us that we are valuable to him. He initiated to build a relationship and connection with humanity and to bring a new path for us to have a connection to God the Father and have a meaningful conversation with Him through His Word. That's an amazing grace, right? Jesus is for relationships. So church, we shouldn't let technology or anything to replace the intimacy of personal conversations with God and our brothers and sisters. Next, another thing that is dying in our culture today is this confession. You know, there's death of confession. Now, depending on your background, you might think of confession as something that happens in a box-like, you know, booth where you divulge all your sins to a priest. Now, I've experienced that, right? Or maybe some of you think confession is just between you and God. But what is confession, biblically speaking? Now, to make it simple, confession is this. Confession is the admission of what we did. And the agreement with God that our actions or words were wrong. You know, confession is admitting our flaws based on God's standard. You know, and confession has become foreign to our world today because of that. You know, no one wants to admit their mistakes. No one wants to admit that, that they screwed up nowadays. You know, Carrie Newhoff said, we live in an age where nothing is my fault, right? People say that it's not my fault, it's the government, it's the school system, it's the economy, it's my ex because he or she hurts me. Uh, it, it's, it's my family's fault, right? They did something wrong to me and nothing is wrong with me. I don't have any issues in life. In fact, whenever we are confronted with the fact that we've done something to, to harm someone or something that offended someone, our natural response is we want to, to, to either dismiss it, we say, no, 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 I didn't do, do it, I didn't do that, I didn't say that, or we try to justify ourselves. You know, we defend ourselves and say, I only said that because of this. I, I only did that um, because of this, right? And it is destroying relationships, marriages, friendships, um, because no one is really willing to admit their mistakes or take responsibility for anything. We like to make excuses or shift the blame and don't accept our responsibility for our own mistakes or our contribution to the problem. But here's the thing. Out of every problem you ever had, every relationship that broke down, every friendship that was wounded, what's the common factor? It's you, right? It's you. You've been part of every problem you ever had. You've been part of relationships that broke down and drifted away. You have a contribution. And if we look deeply into our hearts, I think one of the reasons, if not the main reason, why we don't admit our mistakes is because we want to hide our shame. You know, blame shifting is just a way of our escape to run away from the real issues of our lives na ito ang ikaulaw. You know, we want to pretend that we're okay kay maulawan ta if makabalo ang gino or ang uban ngayong anita. Like Adam and Eve, you know, they tried to hide after they sinned against God. They felt the shame. But here's an amazing thing. God responded with amazing mercy towards them. After they sinned and God pronounced judgment to Adam, Eve, and the serpent, 
Here's what God did in Genesis 3:21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. That's amazing. God, in response, he, he clothed them to, to cover their shame because of their sin. And you know what, brothers and sisters, what God did here is a foreshadow of the cross of Christ. Uh, it's foreshadow of the cross of Christ. If you trust in Jesus in your life right now, here's an amazing promise. At the death of Jesus, our sins are canceled, nailed to the cross. Our debt has been fully paid once and for all. Jesus bore the full wrath that we deserve. And now we are covered by the righteousness of Christ in our lives. And we can fr freely share our sin with God and confess it. But now let me clarify, some of you might be asking this question, why are we supposed to confess? You know, why are we supposed to confess and seek God's forgiveness if Jesus has already forgiven us of our past, present, and the future sins by what he did on the cross, right? Why confess and ask for forgiveness? Why pray that is already yours, okay? Why pray for something that is already yours? That's a good question. But let me share with you what John MacArthur um, said about this subject. Uh, divine forgiveness has two aspects. One is the judicial forgiveness God grants as judge. You know, it's the forgiveness God purchased for you by Christ's atonement for your sin. That kind of forgiveness frees you from any threat of eternal condemnation. It is the forgiveness of justification. Such a pardon uh, is immediately complete. You'll never need to seek it again. No question about that. The price paid by Christ on the cross has satisfied God's wrath against sin and no farther sacrifice or payment is necessary. And once you believe in him, you are forever secured and no one can take uh, take you away from his love. But when we talk about confession, we are actually not talking about this judicial forgiveness, right? We are not talking about this. But when we talk about confession, we are talking about the second aspect of divine forgiveness, which is parental forgiveness. He continued, the other is parental forgiveness. God grants as your father. Okay, we are his sons and daughters, and God is our father when we believe in him, when we believe in Christ. He is grieved when his children sin, right? The forgiveness of justification takes care of judici the judicial guilt, but it doesn't nullify his fatherly displeasure over your sin. The point is this. If a son does something wrong to his father, he remains the son, of course, but the relationship suffers because of the consequences of sin. And the son has hindered his fellowship with his father. And the only way para ma-restore lang fellowship is that the son needs to admit to his father that he has done wrong. That's confession. Sin affects our intimacy with God. We feel this disconnect when we sin against God, right? And the only way to restore it is by confessing our sins to God. I hope that is clear. You know, we don't confess aron maluwasta. No, we are already, uh, we, we, we're not asking for judicial forgiveness as a Christian, right? When we confess. Tapos na na. We already asked for it when we decided to make Jesus as our Lord and Savior, right? But we confess so that our fellowship or intimacy with Him will be restored. And we are not just to confess to God, but we are also commanded to confess to one another. James 5, 13 to 14, it says here, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. You know, some of you would say, yes, that's me. When I'm in bad situation of my life, I go to God and pray. 
But it doesn't end there. James said, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, when we get to the part about the sick, you know, we usually think about some kind of illness or disease, right? But if you look at the original Greek word for sick here, it doesn't just mean illness. Many Bible scholars agree that James has in mind a physical illness, but some scholars also suggest that James is referring to a spiritual weakness. That this question also addresses to those who does not feel firm in their faith, those who are struggling. So it's more like saying, are any of you struggling? Are there any among you struggling with your marriage or going through deep, you know, or going through deep uh, crisis or maybe depression? All of those things can be under the Greek word used for sick here. And he continued in verses 15 to 16. And the prayer of offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's so much things in here, but what we can all agree on um, from this verse is this. First, God doesn't intend for us Christians to disconnect with Him when we are in trouble, but we are to pray. We are to come to Him. We should pray to God. Yes, that's true. But James is also saying to us that you need to get it out in conversation. You are supposed to talk or confess about your sins, not to receive shame or embarrassment, but to receive healing and forgiveness. Now, in first century sit setting, their, their church, church is small, you know, and they were house churches. Maybe there's a dozen of people and there were one or two elders who were in the local church and each could acknowledge to the other what, what sins are most difficult for them. And all of them could pray for each other to overcome those sins. But in a local church that has numerous people, this principle still applies today that we call for, for leaders, but we shouldn't just leave everything out among leaders, right? That's the purpose why we have small groups. You know, we need fellow believers with whom we can be vulnerable because it's during our small groups or an, um, accountability, group, accountability groups or whatever you call it, that we encourage a real and meaningful conversation and be transparent with one another on what you're going through. It's during small groups that we can foster a culture of prayer, that we can pray for those who are sick and hurting. It is where we find people who are there not to judge you or condemn you, but pray for you, for you to find healing, restoration, and overcome sins in your life. But let me add an important note here. We should not confess to just anyone, right? Many of us have had that that bad experience in our past when others responded wrongly to our confession, maybe gikondem ka or gigossip ka, mas naulawan na noon ka. My advice for you is this. Before sharing your struggles with another person, you should consider whether you can trust this person to respond with encouragement and confidentiality. Alright? I hope clear na siya. So confession is rare and dying in our culture today because we think we don't have a problem. That's why we don't confess. But we know we have issues in life. And if you are a Christian, confession is something that should be you know, a part of our regular practice in life. Now, um, here's the point. Confession helps restore our connection with God and with one another. So it's very important society our society today doesn't really value confession but for us christian it should be part of our lives all right we're then talking about the core problem disconnection it's a human problem not a technology problem 
and how the gospel addresses these two problems in our culture today that are dying that you know that that makes this disconnection worse now the question now is this what's next how do i apply this in my life this week you know let me give you three applications this week in light of all the things you've heard first is this actively listen to people and ask questions actively listen to people and ask questions here's the truth sometimes when we talk to someone at the back of our minds we are already working towards our response right? you know we'll listen to respond but we don't listen to understand now if we are doing that we aren't actually listening and you are not thinking of others highly than yourself but you want others to listen to you and dominate the conversation but here's the thing if you listen longer than most people listen you'll hear things that most people never hear again if you listen longer than most people listen you'll hear things that most people never hear and when you begin to listen carefully you begin to hear things and formulate questions to go even deeper this is important in biblical counseling for you to get to the root issue you must learn the skill of asking questions and you cannot really formulate questions that gets to the root problem if you are not listening well so if you don't know your spouse or friends well listen to them listen to to their issues and understand them i know this is hard because we want to be heard always rather than mamino ta kay boring labi na kong tabian ka or dijud kay kakapugong but value and honor others by listening to them and kung musturya sila ayaw lang pagtugtog okay salamat and then end the conversation try to ask more questions so that this person will feel that he or she is valued kay willing jud ka to go through to a, a deeper conversation with her or with him kay nag ask pa ka now karon kay mostly virtual naman ato mga gatherings and fellowship as much as as possible listen to your brothers and sisters right if mag small group mo and may mo pop up sa messenger or email ayaw dayon pa distract if you know di ila kayo importante listen to people show interest and concern towards others ask them questions don't be into yourself and your own world but connect to a person next unplug yourself during the meaningful moments of your life now let me ask you some question is it important to you that you know your spouse or your kids or your friends now if you want to know them deeply put the phone down or turn the tv off right i'm not telling you to throw away your phones or your gadgets but disconnect from your device and and connect with people have a media blackout time if 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 naaka own family as much as possible don't have screens at the dinner table if naaka bata engage and have some time to play with your kids and it, and if naaka screen time sa imong anak be with your kids ayaw lang na pasag din nga magtanga lang na siya the whole day og tan-aw go kumelon if you have a meeting outside tell your friends or families that you have a meeting at this time and dili ka makakontak ana nga time maybe for an hour or two because nakakamit and you want to fully engage that person i don't know how it applies to you you know but my point is you disconnect to connect with what matters most in life and lastly slow down can you say it with me slow down right slow down 
Now, we live in an age of fast transportation, fast computers, fast internet access, fast food, fast videos, and fast social media scrolling, and all the fast, 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 right? And they are all only getting faster. We expect to be able to do everything at faster speeds, and the more fast and busy we are, the more productive we become. But the truth is this, it cuts you off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. You know, we cannot hurry our ways through prayers, right? If mo pray ta, we have to slow down. Not unless if naanadra ka mo doon sa gino and lay down all your requests and you want God to listen to you rather than you listening to God. You cannot hurry your way to a meaningful relationships. You know, relationships takes time. If you want to go deep in conversation, doing it at a fast speed won't help. And you can't hurry confession. You know, it takes time for us to search our hearts and allow the Spirit of God to reveal the problems of our sick soul. John Mark Homer says, The solution to an overbusy life is not more time. I think we can say to ourselves na overbusy kaya takaroon ng panahon, kaya dagay mga ginapas, dagay mga goals, na kinahanan reach. But the solution is not more time. It is to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters most. Slow down, breathe, and think what matters most. Is scrolling the social media when you wake up more important than your devotion with the Lord? Are hundreds of emails more important than your time with your family? Is knowing the affairs of your favorite celebrities more important than knowing the real situation of your loved ones or your brothers and sisters in Christ. Kayo sa high busy pa kayo ta sa affairs sa uban nga wala ganit ay connection although gay follow nato pero wala ta gay follow back rather than knowing on sa update sa kinabuhi sa mga tao nga natay relationship. Right? So brothers and sisters, slow down and think what matters most. And building relationships with God and others takes time and intentionality. So Listen, ask questions, disconnect to connect with people, and slow down, right? Slow down. Now, if you are not a Christian and you are listening now and maybe you feel disconnected sa ginoo because wala kay, makaingunjud ka nga wala kay relationship sa yaha, hey, I just, want to, I, I just want you to know that God loves you and wants to have a personal relationship or connection with you. All you need to do is just trust in Jesus. You don't need to prove yourself before Him. You don't need to hide and pretend that you are somebody because God knows that you are a mess. You know that you've done something wrong. Admit your need for forgiveness and your need of a Savior. Invite Jesus in your life and He is more than willing to forgive you, cleanse you from your sins, and give you eternal life, a life united with God through Christ. So, you can begin your personal relationship with God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And you can do it right now, wherever you are. Right? You can do it now. You can make a decision to invite Jesus, to welcome Jesus in your heart and make Him your personal Savior and Lord. Now, if you are ready, if you want to make a decision, I want you to please pray this prayer with me. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that my sin has separated me from you. But, but thank you for sending your son to die in my place. I now trust Jesus to forgive my sins. I invite him into my life as my Savior and Lord. 
Thank you for receiving me into your eternal path. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's no magic in that prayer, but if you pray those prayers with sincerity in your hearts, know this, you can be confident to say that right at this moment, you now have a, you now have a relationship with God. And we encourage you to continue to cultivate that relationship. If you don't know how, message us on FB page, you know, Grow Point the Vow page, and we will help you cultivate your relationship with God. But if you are still doubting now, if na baka relationship sa yah, that's okay, okay. Um, ayoko dali dali. But we encourage you to message us also, and we will help you find answers, whatever questions you have. Let me close this in prayer. God, thank you for the fact that you are seeking a deep connection with us. The reason why your son came is for you to initiate a meaningful and intimate relationship with us. Thank you, Lord, for taking great joy in revealing yourself and connecting with us every day through your word. I pray to those who are listening right now and will be listening to the replay of this message that you would reveal the depth of how much you would want us to connect with others as well. That you've called us to love one another. And loving one another requires us not to be selfish, but thinks of others above ourselves. May you prompt us by your Spirit to eliminate the hurry in our lives this week so that we can be present with one another and to have the time to search our hearts for the sins we need to confess to you and to one another. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, church, next week we are continuing our series by talking about pride. And if you, if you think wala ka a struggle, don't skip next week because this is something that we all need to hear. I hope you have a great week and see you next Sunday. You are loved.